Brilliant Misfits, Episode 52, an interview with Natalie Chittananda Martinek. That if I'm lonely, then I'm not doing this living thing right, that I'm not successful. I shouldn't be feeling lonely. I have family. I have friends around me. I have fulfilling work. Why do I feel lonely? And then we create a story around that loneliness and, um, and its relationship to our feeling of success. Hello and welcome to Brilliant Misfits, talks with women who are the renegades, the creatives, the entrepreneurs, the artists who didn't fit in and how they've turned it around by courageously following the beat of their own heart. We'll be discussing all things creative, mindful and artful to inspire you to do it your way and be brilliant with your host, Asia Kennedy. everyone and welcome back to Brilliant Misfits. I'm your host Asia Kennedy and if this is your first time coming and having a listen then thank you so much. I'm really grateful and if you particularly like an episode it would be wonderful if you could go to iTunes and give it a rate and review and subscribe so you don't miss an issue uh, an episode and today I always love when I have episodes where I get to talk with women and um, it's my favorite part about podcasting is to have these really interesting conversations and talking with women who in their own way um, have a misfit story because I believe we're all misfits in some way or another but the stories are really interesting unique and different because of course we're all unique and we come in with our own special gifts. And today my guest is Natalie Chittananda Matanek. She's also known as Dr. Nats. So I'm really thrilled to have you here, Dr. Nats. So welcome. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here, Aisha. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. No, I've been, you know, there's something about your energy and I've seen you around online and um, I've always been attracted to it. And so, you know, I kind of when I look for people to be on the podcast and I invite them, um, what attracts me is is the story, the personality, the, the sense of humor, lots of different things. But something about your approach to life is really unique and different. And I want to share that with the listeners because I think you have a lot to offer, a lot of inspiration and encouragement to offer. And normally I go into like, oh, what's your background and stuff, but I want to dive in to something that is really interesting to me that um, is something that you kind of really specialize in, and that is working with women who just get into this mode of striving and uh, getting exhausted, feeling like they're not getting there. And you talk about surrender and its potency. And I wonder mm. if you could just talk a little bit about that surrender and its potency and also how it relates to your own story because you have a very misfit, atypical story to share around that as well. Mm. Wow. Okay. Where do I begin with that? <laughs> um, <laughs> so the striving thing, mm. I think, is a result of uh, the Western world and what it looks like or how it's defined by society or our families, uh, what makes a successful looking life. And part of it is we grow up in, you know, education system where it's about grades. You're being evaluated all the time. You're being a good girl or not a good girl, depending on what you do or say or be. So after a while we decide to adopt whether we're conscious of it or not, uh, personality types, types or, uh, characteristics to 
help us into that path of success where everyone looks at us, that we're doing a good job, we're getting that confirmation from everyone around us, from our grades, uh, through being promoted up the corporate ladder or the, the ladder of success. And um, after a while, we get away with it for a while, but then I think there's a point where you're like, why am I doing this? I don't feel happy. I don't feel satisfied. This is draining me. Why am I doing this? And um, those are really important points or moments in life to pay attention to. And sometimes we can have those and um, get satisfied in some way where we're like, okay, I, I'll take on a new hobby or something new and exciting but don't change anything else. So we continue that striving way, but we have this new fun thing to keep us engaged and animated for a little while longer. So we ignore those moments, those really pivotal times when our soul is saying, Hey, listen up lady, uh, you're going to burn out soon. And so this is a time to start looking at yourself, what you're doing, why you're doing it. Why is the striving so important? Why is success, success so important? Um, so this is what I kind of went through as a scientist where the field of academia um, and anything to do with health or research is about uh, external validation. The whole system is set up based on how other people view you. And so you have to live in accordance to that, which is often against your own intuition and listening to what is right for you, what makes sense for you. Um, and so I burnt out from that before I was forced to surrender and surrender isn't like a one-step process where you just go I'm surrendering now I'm going to offer this up I'm going to let go of this doesn't quite work like that mm, that's <laughs> it's a, a good point let's really like let's really peel that away a little bit because um there's a lot of misconception about what surrender is and I think there's a, a bit of a, a fear around surrendering as mm. well Yes. Well, there should be a fear because you're about to hand over something that you used as your safety net or a security blanket for pretty much your whole life. And so that creates a lot of fear and anxiety about having to do that and what life looks like without that. So we can't take this that sort of thing lightly because we're peeling off many layers at once, I think, more than just one, many and um, it's a scary process. So we need to be supporting ourselves and equip ourselves with external supports as well while that's going on. And if I could reflect back on, back on my transition out of academia into the awakening of my spiritual life and path, um, you don't, as a, a scientist, you don't get taught or told that there's anything beyond the ivory tower. So all you know is that, and you're only... Uh, path to success is looking at how far up you get into the ivory tower and if you can't make it then your only options that you're told about are within the industry of health so pharmaceutical and that research area or sales so it's and biotech so it's very limited but none of those things appeal to me and being a scientist also no longer appealed to me so I didn't have any options that I was aware of <laughs> so I had to start looking around and talking to people and talking to people outside of my academic environment. And it's scary because I was believing that I wasn't trained in anything else, that I couldn't, I didn't realize I could transfer those skills into other things. Um, I'm grateful I have parents who are entrepreneurs. So that gave me hope that I can go out and do something else, but I didn't know what that looked like at all. 
And the more I prolong that decision to, to leave the academic environment um, into the unknown without a job, um, the more painful it was for me to be there. And I started to get more and more tired and I would wake up just not being able to get out of bed for like an hour. I drag my feet to work. I had no motivation to do anything. And so it was like torturing myself. And so sometimes you have to get to that place where you're, you're at the rock bottom mm. that you finally go, all right, I have no other option. If I stay here, I think I'm going to die. And if I don't stay, if I leave, well, I'll experience a different kind of death but it won't necessarily be one from burning out. I don't know what that is. <clears throat> so I decided, screw it, I'm going to leave. I have no other option. I can't stay here, and I'm just going to go, and I'm sure something will come into my life. And um, that took, from the day I made that decision to the day that I left, that was over six months. So that entire time I was preparing myself internally without realizing it that I'm, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. And, um, and then also having conversations with, well, what else is out there? Where else can I transition into? What else can I do? So I was collecting data on what else is out there, what my skills would enable me to do. And then everyone was telling me I'm crazy. You know, you've trained for so long. You have a PhD. Why would you throw that away? And I'm like, I'm not throwing it away. I'm just not using it in this place, in this way anymore. But you don't suddenly lose all those skills because you're not using them in that way. Mm. Um, so, of course, when you're about to hand over or, or hang up on something, um, you're going to be faced with a lot of dissent and criticism and opposition. And I know now that's a good sign. That's a positive sign that, yep, I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> so for all the listeners out there, if you're getting a lot of opposition or, you know, you're trying to follow some calling that you feel inside and you, you're getting that sort of feedback, then know you're on the right track. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because what are your other options? Stay yeah. there. You're going to die. Your soul is being sucked out of you. You're not going to survive that. <laughs> and I want to go back to something you said that jumped out at me when you were saying that, you know, you wanted to get out, you had this surety that something else would come into your life. Where did that assurance come from? How did you, how did you know? How were you sure that something else would come into your life? Well, I wasn't sure, but I, it was something I chose to believe because, like I said, I had no other option. Right. Ah. I had no other option. And I had a friend who also transitioned out, and, um, but she went into something related, and I saw – I kind of followed her process, even though we we're doing different things. I followed her process. So that gave me hope that there'll be something there for me too. Mm. Um, following kind of what she's doing, you know, learning how to write a, a resume that is outside of the academic world, <clears throat> applying for things and getting job interviews and, and doing job, you know, your, your training and your job interview skills at the same time, whether you get that job or not is irrelevant, right? It's just trying something new. Um, so I was following her that gave me, that gave me some hope, but I, I had to believe there was something else out there for me. I, it was a knowing inside of me that I'm here for something else. This isn't the be all and end all. There is a lot more. Um, and I need to get out of here to discover what that is. And this yeah. is not my security place anymore. It's yeah. hurting me. Yeah, I think I really appreciate what you're saying and, and that knowing, I think that a lot of us, actually come to that intuitive knowing and it's whether we sit up and pay attention or we push it aside and then 
just keep suffering in, in something that is draining us and sucking our soul of its complete life. Um, yeah. You know, and, and what you said about following someone else, I think that's a really helpful tip. I mean, you know, if you're in that space where you transition, you know you want to get out of something because it's just not um, aligned. You feel really dead inside by doing, continuing on, and you don't know what the next is yet to just, yeah, get inspired by looking at people who have made that transition, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they can be famous people, they can be friends, whatever. I think it's really helpful to know somebody that's done it and, and to see that, yeah, it's possible. Because as you say, the power of your thinking, you know, believing that, you know, you're going to find something else, that something would come into your life, that having that faith and belief, just because you've seen it done before, was sort of like the proof that that, that can work. Yeah. And so back to the surrender thing, because Mm. part of that process, I had to ask myself, okay, even if I don't know what I'm doing after leaving the lab, can I still be okay? Will I still be okay inside of me? Will we be okay financially? Will Will we still have a home? Will I still have food? Will I be okay to sustain myself, at least in the short term, if I have nothing? And so the answer is yes, you'll be fine, and or I'll be fine. And so that gave me this more of a a push or that nudge to leaving because that's part of surrender even if I never have these things in my life I will still be okay I can still be happy and once you get to that point that I'm okay even if this is in my life or not then you're on your way to moving moving out into the next sort of dimension of yourself and that's precisely what happened so when I left and it was, I left without any fanfare. I just left very quietly on my last day. Um, and um, I went home and I went to sleep and I woke up, I think maybe 20 hours later, I was in like complete depression. And um, it was, yeah, it was a profound experience to, to have when you kind of hand over your life, your identity and everything that you thought was going to get you to the Holy Grail. And you decided, no, that's not it. Um, so, and you have you, nothing else to replace it with. In that, you're in that liminal, that liminal place of, you know, you haven't quite gotten to the next yet. Right. But what I realized after down the line was that I was in the place of all possibility and mm-hmm. everything. So you're in the void where anything and everything is possible. Except it felt like hell. It felt like I was in the pit of despair and depression and you know darkness and no energy. Um, but it was a rich place. And I knew it was depression, but it wasn't something I needed to seek help from a doctor and be medicated for. I knew this was not going to be a long-term thing, but I kind of sat suspended in it for a little while thinking that it would pass. And it wasn't. And it wasn't till the day that I shook my fist up to the heavens and said, you know, whatever's out there, this is not my life. I demand that you give me my life. You didn't drag me out of Canada into Australia for me to experience this. I'm done. I demand my life. And that was all I needed to do because 30 minutes later, I got a text and everything changed. My whole, my spiritual path found me. And it was just, it's been just phenomenal ever since with some hard times and lots and lots of phases of surrender. Um, but yeah, as soon as we believe that we need something in order to feel good, in order to be happy, we're screwed because we're limiting ourselves in that moment because we're telling the universe, this is the way it needs to be. 
for me to be happy. Mm. And the universe will be like, really? Well, I think I'll, I'm, I'm going to test that. We're going to test that theory. <laughs> yeah, it's and, like putting conditions, putting conditions right. on something that is so vast and boundless and with infinite potential and possibilities. And then why would we want to confine it? But I think it harks back to what you said in the beginning about you know, being trained, we're conditioned to look for outside validation to, mm. you know, what our success looks like is based on things of getting it right and, you know, actually being like a good girl sort of thing. Yeah. Mm. And what I've, what I've noticed um, as well, having played around in lots of entrepreneurial marketing types of social media groups, is that lots of women who have transitioned out of a corporate environment have taken the corporate uh, conditioning or programming with them. So they're, even though they're out of that institution, mm. they still have that within them and they still adopt, they're still running their business or um, growing a business based on that need, that striving, that need to succeed. I need to build this up. And now there's added pressure to do it all yourself. Mm. Um, and you can only start getting supports once you've made a certain amount of money and so on and so forth. And the more you grow, the more you need, right? So you end up building the same kind of corporation that you came from and the pressures and stress alongside in order to maintain that and to grow it. And to me, that feels really uncomfortable and nothing like I want to be, <laughs> anything I want to be doing. So um, that was kind of an observation, whether it's accurate or not. Um, you might have left the corporate life, but the corporate life hasn't left you. And so there's some more surrender involved in going, I can do this in a different way. I don't have to bring these things along with me um, because this is comfortable and it's what I know. I have to unknow some things. I have to decide that what I know is not that important and that I need to be open to learning, no, learning more. And as long as we say, I need to know, we're blocking that opportunity. We can't be receptive to being in the unknown because the unknown is scary. Yeah, it's scary. It's scary. You yeah. feel like you, you you don't have your feet on the ground. You you not, you know, you just you don't know where you are, which direction you are. It's a, yeah, it's an uncomfortable feeling. But I think it's a beautiful thing that you brought up. I think asking the question, and I I have to agree with you, Natalie, that I think you know women do transition from corporate, and they, you know, they just keep doing the same thing in their mm. entrepreneurial business, and and we would they left to create something that is more has more freedom and has more joy and and yet they're still caught up in a cycle so mm. you know for the listeners out there i think it's a beautiful question that you've posed which is well how can i do this in a different way mm. like really stop like if you feel like you're exhausted and you're feeling desperate or anything that comes up and that you're uncomfortable and just feel squeezed it's time to just stop and ask that question like well, how can I create this business in a different way? Something yes. that I really want, not mm -hmm. just following, you know, just getting on another treadmill. Yeah, following what I what I know already. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So and I guess that's just mm. part of our brains. Like they <laughs> it, you know, we we tend to get habituated and then, you know, we just keep going without actually taking that pause. And that's why I love the practice of mindfulness or presence, just, you know, bringing yourself into presence at any particular moment. It just takes a second to stop and breathe and just look around and give yourself a little space 
and ask the questions like, well, this isn't really feeling good. Like, what can I do? Well, how can Mm. I do it different? You know? Yeah. Or is it, am I not feeling good because I'm uncomfortable because I'm in a growth phase of new learning? That's okay. That's a good thing. Or am I feeling uncomfortable and crappy because I'm feeling drained by what I'm doing? It's not enjoyable. And it's, not everything's enjoyable, but this is, doesn't feel like it's taking me anywhere or I feel like I'm redoing what I've already done. And that, in a, in, you know, because I'm conditioned, I haven't been mindful about why I'm doing things, my motivation behind doing things. So that's a really important point around mindfulness that coming back into the present and asking, I'm a, I feel impulse to do this thing or to say this thing or call someone up. Why? What's behind this impulse? Why do I feel compelled to do this action? Is it because I'm being driven by a pressure or is it a desire to reach out or connect? Which, which is the thing that's driving me? And, you know, then we could check the purity of our motivations. Like, for example, um, I've just come off um, a nine-day kind of spiritual purification uh, phase, practice, and there was no entertainment allowed, so I decided to cut myself off Facebook because even though I use it for business, the lines are blurred between business and entertainment. So I thought, let's just, it's an opportunity to reset myself. Um, and in the first day, I kept reaching for my phone to, you know, check. And then, of course, I didn't do it because I, I was bound by those rules that I gave myself. But within like an hour, I was reaching out eight times. So I was aware of my impulse, but had I not been on this spiritual practice, I would have just been doing it and not really questioning it or thinking about it. So I started to realize, wow, this is a a habit I've uh, created for myself. Why am I reaching out? What am I looking for right now? And after some contemplation um, that took like two weeks, I realized, ah, okay, I'm back to that external validation thing again. I'm reaching out because either I want attention or I'm seeking love from outside of me, or I'm looking for approval. That's what's been motivating me to, to do some of the things I've been doing or to go online and engage, engage <laughs> in quotes. And um, it's become unhealthy and it's draining. And then I asked, well, why? Okay, if I'm aware of what's coming up for me when I'm reaching out, is it about this external uh, validation that I'm seeking or is there something more? And the more is about feeling alone or isolated that not just me, I think for humanity, we're not okay with just sitting with ourselves and feeling alone or feeling lonely. It feels like something uncomfortable that we have to move away from, that if I'm lonely, then I'm not doing this living thing right, that I'm not successful. I shouldn't be feeling lonely. I have family. I have friends around me. I have fulfilling work. Why do I feel lonely? And then we create a story around that loneliness and, um, and it's relationship to our feeling of success. And then in that moment, I don't want to feel that I'm going to reach out for my phone or I'm going to call someone. I'm going to do something. I'll clean the house. I'll, I'll do something so that I'm not sitting in that pit of aloneness. And, um, that becomes a driver for some really negative habits. So with mindfulness, you can figure that one out. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that. Um, you know, talking about aloneness or feeling lonely. And yet, from my experience, uh, I can only speak for myself, but having solitude is an incredibly important ingredient for joy in my life. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what's happened that has made our society so afraid of 
giving ourselves solitude or being okay with being alone? Mm. I think it's when the alone feeling comes under different uh, conditions. So when I love solitude as well, I feel like I can be my own best friend most of the time. But there are those times where I don't want to be in solitude, (laughs) that I'm feeling that aloneness. And that's the time when it's not okay. I haven't chosen solitude now. Mm. (laughs) And so, but loneliness has come into my feeling, into my feeling realm. um, And I'm not okay with this because it means something that means somehow that I'm not good enough or not successful. It's a story that's been created around that feeling versus I'm alone. What a gift. (laughs) <laughs> or I'm feeling lonely, but I'm not alone, you know, or loneliness is okay. It's part of the spectrum of life and it's no different than joy. I need to accept that that's part of me as well. So there's different ways of playing with that. But when I think solitude doesn't come, it isn't something we're choosing. It's just loneliness mm-hmm. versus solitude. I think um, then we feel uh, compelled to do something about it versus just feeling it. Mm. And I love the the questioning mind that um, you bring about, about, you know, I mean, it's really reaching out to the phone. And, you know, I've done it too. Like I say, okay, (laughs) 10 o'clock, that's my cutoff, and I'm not going to do social media. And then I'll be sitting there and, you know, and then all of a sudden my my hand is like, it's like just going going out. And I'm like, what's going on, you know? And I have to come back and say, wait a minute. It's just incredible habit of like, oh, I got to check to see what response was there or, you know, getting that validation or whatever you, you know. And it's such a a beautiful gem that you're you're talking about here, Natalie, about just being aware of those little habits that we have and questioning them. Well, why am I doing it? What am I wanting from that? And um, and it really is very very powerful, isn't it? Yeah, because in that at that time we can also ask, is what I'm about to do taking me closer or farther from my vision? Hmm. Am I moving question. towards my vision that tells me that I already have a life filled with peace and joy? So am I, is that true to me right now when I'm reaching out for my phone? It could be yes. And, you know, I'm reaching out to someone. I'm feeling like I want to talk to them. And it's not because I'm needy. It's not because I'm seeking approval or wanting love or attention. This is me, you know, with my heart reaching out. And, yes, it supports my vision that I have a life of peace and joy. And I just want to share that with someone right now. So, you know, versus the other way, which is I don't have that. And I need that from someone else. I need someone else to give that to me, which we know is not possible. Mm, absolutely. Now, I want to go back. I, I'm a bit curious about a couple of things, actually. I know that um, you've, you've gone from your scientific world, medical world, mm. and you've made this wonderful bridge between that world and the world of spirituality. And we haven't really talked about your spiritual path that much. And I'm wondering when you made a demand and screamed at the universe (laughs) and (laughs) 30 minutes later he got an answer I want to know what was the answer (laughs) (laughs) yeah good question so it wasn't really an answer it was just a finger pointing Mm. so uh it was a text from my friend who lives in Sydney who was my housemate back when I was in Canada and um she was just letting me know a friend of hers was coming to Melbourne the next day and she'd love me to meet her she thought we would get along really well and I was you know in this depressive horrific state and I was like yeah sure what the hell (laughs) (laughs) and it turns out this friend of hers is was a messenger and um 
I think she realized it at some point during the day when we were chatting. And um, she was, she's Chinese who was living in Australia and she'd been trained as an obstetrician and gynecologist back in China. And then she was a pediatric occupational therapist in, in Australia practicing that profession. I think she had a few other degrees in public health and, and she was a spiritual teacher and a healer. So I was like, very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) The universe, the divine has given me this person that is the bridge, you know, that I wouldn't be talking to her if she came to me as I'm a healer. You know, I, I work with mothers who um, are trying to conceive or moms who are pregnant and help them with their, the karma between themselves and, and their unborn baby. So I wouldn't really have paid attention to that. I would have maybe dismissed her. But because she came with all this credential and credibility, I was just in awe. And, you know, just being in her energy, it was like being with Buddha. I was just transfixed. And we spent the day together. And she took me to a meditation that she ended up running that night. And it was normally run by another person who was an integrative GP and training as a healer at the same time. So the universe brought me the two medically trained, academically trained people who are also healers um, to my spiritual path, to my lineage. So um, that meditation, I sat there and there were all these, you know, uh, Hindu icons and a picture of Jesus and a picture of my now spiritual teacher. Um, and I was like, what is all this? And I was brought up Jewish. I mean, I'm, I'm a Jewish woman, very much part of who I am, oozing out of me all the time. And that's not something that I was brought up with. It was quite foreign. You know, Jesus was like, no, no, <laughs> we don't talk about, we, you know, we don't talk about that. Um, and chanting mantra, but I knew I had to be there. It like nothing was letting me leave that chair. And we chanted and it was a meditation uh, that went into the inner child and introduced me to my inner child. And I cried that entire time. And at the, when I opened my eyes at the end, I was alive again and the, the depression was gone, gone. So, um, yeah, that was my awakening. Uh, I, I'm really getting a lot of chills right now, and um, actually, video, I, I feel I'm I'm very moved. Like my heart is is like just expanded, and uh, I've got chills up and down, and um, and I'm a bit teary. I don't know why, but that that's a very powerful story, and I love that. Yeah, that it it, it is it's that powerful, isn't it? Yeah, when you just you ask for it, but mm. you had to surrender. You had to let go of everything that was blocking mm. you. And um, it was, yeah, phenomenal. And I was like, what, whatever this is, I want all of it. I want to know everything. I want, it, I want it all. So that was the start. That was my kind of initiation. And there's been many since. And I'm now a teacher within the spiritual school and a healer within the school. And I also realized... Um, so I was started doing a lot of writing in that time because I had no job. I had to do something and I was looking for work and, you know, um, and I had a lot of inspiration because when you leave a confining institutional think and you, you free yourself from it, your mind suddenly expands and all these things that I've been thinking of intuitively, but not having words for started to pour into my awareness. I got awareness about the metaphysics of everything I'd been studying and this confirmation that I'll never, I won't be able to prove because we don't have the technology yet to be able to show that, but it doesn't matter because all of that has contributed to my healing practice and and what I 
can learn from my clients based on the things they bring to me. So it's just, I'm still doing research just in a different way. And I also realized that I'm more scientific now than I was as a scientist and that I was always been a mystic. I've always been, you know, uh, so in awe of the universe and mysteries. And I was trying to explore that through biology and, um, but it was confining because we're more than just our physical body and our cells. We're consciousness, we're energy, we're, uh, you know, connected to everything. So unless that's being able to, you're able to reproduce that in a dish in the lab, you're not really studying everything. So it's quite limiting. And so when I left that, I was open to everything. So I was starting to get so much more. And it was like parts of me that had been cut off were opened up again. And I was able to see things more openly than what I was trained to see things or how, how I was allowed to ask those questions. Um, so I, I became more of the mystic. And so now I'm able to see, make connections between what I, what I know biologically and what I know metaphysically or what I'm learning, not really knowing, but learning metaphysically and how that can help others in a very different way. And so, yeah, and testing it out. So I am being scientific. I'm questioning all my thoughts. I'm questioning everything that I know and what I hear. Is this true to me? Is this the truth? And so um, I think that's always an important skill to have because without the question, you don't get pulled in the direction you need to go to give you that answer, which will ultimately lead to more questions. But it's all part of your evolution. As soon as we go, this is the way it is and make concrete statements about anything, that's the end of our learning. That's mm. it. I could and, agree with you more. That is mm -hmm. so true. And um, I love, I want you to talk a little bit about this, you know, this beautiful bridge that you've created between, you know, your mysticism, being a mystic and being a scientist as well. And what the work that you're actually involved in now today. Um, yeah. So I think it's just kind of, happened that the worlds the worlds have become integrated in me now and for a while they were quite separate I'm going to do my spiritual training now that was kind of very separate mm -hmm. to my work in a hospital in commu health communication I couldn't bring that spirit stuff into the health communication because it's all evidence-based we don't have evidence based for the spiritual stuff you're talking about but it's all nice it sounds great but it has no place here so I found that really hard because once you learn of that there's more out there and how that's so applicable to living a good life. And here you are writing stuff to parents about how to support them in their parenting, but you're not allowed to bring that information in because there's no, you know, evidence in the, in the research that's being used. It's really annoying. It was annoying for me. So I felt limited again. So I had to learn to become compassionate about everything and <laughs> just being understanding and patient. And then, um, as I was at the hospital, I, took the opportunity to start providing, to start running meditations for staff and scientists and anyone working there because I really wanted to help patients and families, but I didn't have the training um, to do that directly. So I thought, why not work with the health professionals and everyone who is in that environment so that they can leave their stressful desks and workplaces, come have half an hour with me and walk out or float out and then they infuse their spaces and their interactions with that energy. And that will be a benefit to the children and the parents. So that was my thinking. And I did that for three and a half years, once or twice a week. And I became known as like the meditation guru on campus. And then I started getting invitations from 
different um, staff groups like nurses or some doctors in different areas of the hospitals to start speaking about emotional well-being or mindfulness um, and a bunch of other related subjects. And then I started understanding that what I was doing was looking at this area called compassion fatigue or practitioner fatigue, which is like burnout. So it's understanding what, what are the steps that occur that lead to burnout? Because I know what the steps were that led to my burnout, but this is a whole other area, which is more of like an ex existential burnout um, when you're working as a doctor or nurse or psychologist or genetic counselor, or even, you know, a custodian cleaning in the hospital or an admin at the front desk, everyone, there was some, there were like a bunch of themes that overlapped with everyone. So I started learning what those were. And then I was like, Oh, my goodness, I've actually been paid separately to be doing a research project that had been created for me. And it was not my own doing. It was just where how I ended up. And now this is where I'm heading. I'm writing a whole book on this whole research project and created um, workshop series based on what we know from scientific evidence, but also what I've learned in my spiritual training, which comes from thousands of years of evidence in the Vedas and other traditional, uh, other spiritual traditions, which have contributed to the scientific paradigm as we know it now, and the way medicine is practiced now in the field of law and everything that exists now. So <laughs> I'm just taking, you know, and through just my experience, I've learned how to communicate the language of spirituality into very plain English. So for those who are not really interested in spirituality, but like the ideas that relate to their lives, they can understand it and appreciate it. And we can apply those principles into practice so that they can implement in their life so that they can regain the joy of their work, that they can disconnect or disengage from their day and not take their day with them into their home and other parts of life and other techniques that have come from my spiritual training but they don't have to know that or it doesn't matter where it came from to them because they're just getting the relief that they need. So it was all of these, I was getting all this different type of training that I didn't consciously sign up for. And I always wondered what the hell am I doing in all these things? Why am I here? Why am I there? But now it's perfect. It's all kind of formed, integrated and created this tapestry that is me. And it's not something that I know it's something I've become and I'm sharing that. And it's from that place an embodied place that you can truly share that wisdom with someone else. And it's not even the words that you say, it's the energy you can now transmit. And that's the truth. And they receive that when they're open. And so that feels like a huge gift to me that I can bring out in the world. But it's not something that I planned. It's something that would, the universe, you know, it's something that I've stepped into because I've been surrendered. You know, every day I've been like, just put me where I need to be to best serve and show me how to do that. Because it's not about me and my intelligence. I'm here to be that expression in the world to serve. Because that's ultimately what I want to do. That's so beautiful, Natalie. Thank you for sharing that. And I think, you know, I do talk to a lot of women. And it's a it's very, very common thread. And I love the, the use of the tapestry. I often say that myself, that life is a tapestry. And it really and truly is. And mm. when I talk to people, it just becomes more and more clear that, you know, we are these sort of receptacles, these vehicles, this, I don't know what you want to call it, but there is some other much larger force that if we are open, that we actually get guided to what we're meant to be doing here in, mm -hmm. in this particular incarnation. And I love how what you shared just 
shows that as an example of, you know, how you came in and studied and how now, at this point in your life, everything is coming together and working with health professionals and helping them. And then it just ripples out from there. Just goosebumps. It's beautiful. Mm, it's absolutely thank you. beautiful. And, yep. <laughs> you know, I just want to, I want to know if you, you have maybe just one technique that you could share with the listeners before we end our conversation that they can practice that would help them. Mm, wow. Okay. So something that I've been using more recently, if you find your, if you're someone who's in a car, if you're, if you have to commute or you're going, you know, you're traveling quite a bit, you have, it's an opportunity to become really self-aware and reflective because you're in a car and you're just driving and there's really nowhere else to go outside of that car. And in the past, I'd always be in the car and be like, who can I call? Who can I call? <laughs> Who's around? Who that I can have a conversation with? And now it's like, ooh, that question, who can I call, came up. What's this about? Why am I doing this? Why do I need to talk to someone? So just start asking yourself questions to yourself and having those conversations that you might have with someone else with yourself. So it's kind of the conversation with God or the divine or the beings that are around you that you may or may not know about. And that it's amazing what will emerge out of your consciousness or out of your mouth. And it, you would not, maybe not have had that if you had allowed yourself to be distract, distracted by talking to someone else because you, you didn't feel like you wanted to be alone or lonely. And so... I feel this thing around loneliness is, a big, is big. And like I said before, it's less about feeling solitude or the tranquility. It's more of like, I don't feel comfortable being in my own skin right now. I need to do something. And it creates an anxiety that compels you to reach out to someone um, under the guise of, oh, I just want to support. <laughs> uh, just go, why am I doing this? What do I need to say to myself right now? What do I need to do to feel calm? What's going on? And when you do that, it's just like, it's like your energy returns to you because you're not outsourcing it to anyone anymore to give you that love or that attention or that validation. You get to keep it and you get to grow it because you're giving yourself the attention that you, that only you can give and you're giving yourself the love and the voice that only you can give. And this is something that we need to cultivate better as a species because we've learned how to outsource that instead of giving it back to us. And no one else can look after that. No one. Mm, it's our job, isn't it? it we're it's our the job. job. And, you know, it's our job to do that. And I think mm -hmm. what I'm hearing from you saying to just have, you know, ask the question, there's that there's a, there's a little space that you have to create for yourself between the discomfort that you feel in the body, the physical body, there mm. comes this discomfort. And if we don't catch it, it immediately goes up into the mind and the mind turns into a story and reaction yeah. and habit and we yep. just, just keep going in this cycle. But if there, you have that little break where before it goes into your mind and into the habit, you question Yes. Yeah. And the reason I say this while you're in the car is because the process of learning to drive was a clunky one, but then eventually you become masterful at it that you can, you know, eat a sandwich, be on the phone and drive at the same time, which none of these things are great things or safe. Um, but because the car is, you become mindless in the car because 
you know how to do it with if especially if you're driving the same route every day you don't think about it mm. so it's an opportunity to become mindful while you're driving and just noticing what's around you and what's within you so that we don't spend hours sitting in a car that are wasted that we don't know how we got from a to b <laughs> we don't remember the journey when you know i think there's i think these are opportunities to connect with ourselves that we don't we don't see as such because we're too busy thinking what how can i multitask while i'm driving how can i you know i don't want this to be wasteful time so i'm going to call someone i'm going to get that over with or i'm going to voice record something i'm going to get that over with um and they're all fine but i think giving yourself that time to connect with yourself when you're driving and being aware of what's around you, what's within you. If you're triggered by any drivers doing some behavior, they're all opportunities for learning and learning about yourself that uh, I think are priceless. Thank you for that really practical tip. And, you know, it, it's it's something that we all do. And I think I, I'm going to practice it myself. I do do <laughs> that sometimes where I just really am aware of my environment my body I'm driving I'm not thinking so much I'm not like in you know thought mode and thinking about all the things I have to do I'm really just get real present and it's a, it's a great technique thank you for sharing that it's it's a very wise simple and very effective mm. practice so thank you for sharing that Natalie pleasure thank you Aisha yeah if anyone wants to get in touch with you, Natalie, to maybe have a session or talk to you about things or, you know, how, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, for now, it's through my Facebook page, Dr. Natalie Martinek. Mm -hmm. There's a button you could push and it'll take you to a booking link to book a conversation with me to see what your needs are and how we might work together. Mm, I highly recommend it because I have had a... Um, conversation with Dr. Nats and um, I have a beautiful mantra that I say every day still I sing it Yay. now Yay. and just anything that um, you're needing help with and wanting to you know get back into center of yourself and um, you know you're just an amazing person Natalie and I'm really grateful that you came onto the show and shared yourself with everyone so that we have the opportunities to look at things differently and we have the opportunity to work with you if we want to yes so i'll have your information on the show notes and Great. i thank you again for coming on the show and i really feel blessed that you that you did thank you and i feel blessed for being here and being able to share and uh, thank you so much you're so welcome thank you all for being here today if you enjoyed the episode please go to iTunes and give it a review and subscribe. And don't forget to join our private Facebook group, Brilliant Misfits. And for more information on living a creative life, www.asiakennedy.com.